Welcome to the Healthcare Download with VMG Health. We are the leaders in strategy and transaction advisory dedicated to finding solutions for the healthcare industry. In each episode, we will leverage our expertise to provide trends and timely updates about what is happening on the business side of healthcare so you can move your strategy forward. In this episode, the latest in post-acute care, Q2 earnings calls and inpatient rehabilitation facilities, we will be interviewing two leaders focused on the diverse space of post-acute care. We have Sydney Richards and Savannah Ganyard, who are both in VMG Health's Valuation and Transaction Advisory Division. Savannah is a manager and co-leads our Pulse on the Public Market initiative. She'll be providing insight on what the public market had to say about this space during its earnings calls. So, Savannah, very nice to have you. Would you like to give listeners just like a one-minute skinny on what the Pulse is and how they can access it? Of course. Thanks for having me on again. Um, As we've talked about before, VMG follows a handful of publicly traded healthcare operators, and each quarter we produce a one-page, high-level earnings call summary, coupled with a few interesting quotes on major operational themes for that quarter. We follow around 15 companies, and these summaries are available to the public on our website at vmghealth.com under Insights, and you'll find it there under Pulse on the Public Market. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thanks for your team for all you do on that. It's a lot of work that goes into it. So now I'm going to move on over to Sydney. Uh, Sydney is a director and she's part of VMG's post-acute care affinity group. She's recently published a robust white paper on strategic partnerships around the inpatient rehabilitation facility space. So welcome, Sydney. Could you go ahead and let listeners know a little bit about what they could expect from this piece that you recently wrote? Thanks, Jen. Absolutely. We're providing a very high-level overview of the earth industry, key metrics, and also dive into four possible alignment types for operators to consider. When you think of the alignment types as a spectrum, on one side you have an outright sale where you sell all of your equity in an earth to a strategic post-acute operator. And on the opposite side, you have finding a post-acute operator to perform management for your earth in exchange for a management fee. So in between, you have joint venture, joint operating agreement options, which simply put, involve sharing equity and returns with the potential partner. Perfect. Okay, I've read it, and it's great, and there's a lot of information in there. We're going to touch on um, one of the strategies during this podcast. So thank you both for being here. Just to level set, uh, in addition to being thought leaders, both Sydney and Savannah are dedicated to helping clients with M&A in the various healthcare sectors. So we'll be pulling some insight from our annual M&A report as well, and that has an entire section dedicated to post acute. So now that we've got the intros out of the way, I'm Jen Johnson, VMG Health's Chief Commercial Officer, and I'm ready to get us started with a dose of some practical insight on the business side of healthcare. I'd like to first set the stage for this podcast. Post-acute care facilities include inpatient rehabilitation facilities, long-term acute care hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, home health and hospice agencies, and now we've got hospitals at home. So obviously, this sector is covering a lot, and there's a lot of different dynamics in all six of these different subsectors. We can't cover all of it in this short podcast, but what we plan to do is get you some really insightful and timely takeaways. So let's start with one big basic trend. All right, we've got the COVID-19 pandemic, which had a major impact on post-acute care by shifting referral patterns towards home health and away from the traditional post-acute facilities. So what I'd like to do is ask Savannah, 
Since home health is where things are trending, can you tell us a bit about what's going on in this subsector? Yes. The home health space boasts really strong patient trends spurred, as you noted, by the COVID-19 pandemic. As we mentioned in our M&A report released earlier this year, there's an estimate from McKinsey that up to $265 billion, or 25% of the total cost of care for Medicare and MA patients, could shift from traditional facilities to the home by 2025. Despite all these positive tailwinds, the subsector, though, is currently facing rate cuts and staffing pressures. This has really made the space a hot transaction environment in that we have the sector that's been touted in some ways as the future of healthcare, but recent market dynamics have made it difficult to be an operator in this space. Okay, interesting. So obviously it's impacting M&A activity and strategies in this space. So I'm wondering if I could go ahead and ask Sydney now, could you talk a little bit about the trends VMG's seen and what these larger players are doing about this new trend and strategies? Absolutely. So some of the major post-acute publics include Encompass, which is Largy Earths, Emeticis, Home Health and Hospice, Select Medical, which is inpatient and outpatient rehab, as well as LTAX. Um, we used to consider LHC Group before United Healthcare acquired them back in February. So in general, we're seeing more home health and hospice activity than ERPs or LTACs, which makes sense when you consider the shift towards outpatient, as previously mentioned, and also the lower cost of care. Similarly, we see a lot more ERF activity than LTACs, which also makes sense um, based on the aggregated Medicare margin, which was about 15% for ERFs versus negative 0.5% for LTACs. Uh, no, this is pre-COVID data in 2018. Um, from MedPAC. MedPAC no longer publishes LTAC data now in 2023. And it's a similar pattern for SNFs. There's just less transactions than ERFs. Um, hospitals are increasingly incentivized to coordinate care across the acute and post-acute spectrum as well through bundle payments, readmission penalties, and other value-based programs. So that could drive increase, increasing utilization and demand for best-performing post-acute operators. Additionally, we're definitely seeing the beginning of players layering in post-acute to their value-based care strategies. Um, private equity firms as well are increasingly interested in post-acute mainly home health and hospice, largely through a platform building strategy. PE firms capitalize on the arbitrage opportunity between higher EBITDA multiples um, commanded by larger agencies and the lower EBITDA multiples on small agencies. Okay, wow. So there's a fair amount of activity um, and a number of players out there. And we all know, obviously, lowering the cost of care is going to continue to shape strategy around this space. So what I'd like to do now is move to understanding what we've learned from the most recent public company earnings calls. Since there are a few public companies focused purely on post-acute, let's go ahead and move over to Savannah. Since your team tracks these earnings calls each quarter, could you walk us through what public companies are focused on post-acute care and specifically any highlights from Q2 earnings calls? Yes. So out of the 15 companies that we follow for the Pulse on the Public Market in the post-acute space, we keep up with three, those being Encompass Health, which as Sydney mentioned earlier, they own and operate rehab hospitals throughout the U.S. Um, and for some context, about 40% of their ERFs are joint ventured. We also follow Select Medical. They operate critical illness hospitals, post-acute rehab hospitals, outpatient rehab facilities, and occupational health and urgent care clinics across the U.S. For some context on their revenue streams, their critical illness recovery hospitals are around 35% of revenue. Their ERFs comprise around 14%. Outpatient rehab comprises 18%. And their Concentra, um, their occupational health and urgent care division, comprises 28% of revenue. The last company that we follow in this space is Inhabit. They 
provide home health and hospice services. Inhabit was spun off from Encompass last summer and is one of the nation's largest freestanding home health businesses. During previous quarters, we have also followed Emeticis, but recently ceased coverage due to the potential combination with Optum, who actually it's already owns LHC Group, as Sydney mentioned earlier. Encompass and Select Medical boasted positive Q2 results, to which the market reacted positively. They saw mid-single-digit stock price increases the day after announcing earnings. Both operators noted strong revenue growth and continued improvement in labor costs. Additionally, both operators raised guidance for the remainder of 2023 as they anticipate strong demand and performance throughout the remainder of the year. Inhabit's Q2 earnings release was less favorable, with management noting that the pace of progress has not been fast enough in 2023 to meet their initial guidance. It seems that they are facing a couple of the challenges I mentioned earlier in the home health sector. Okay, so it's a decent quarter for operators, um, especially with inpatient rehabilitation exposure. I think this is a good time to go ahead and introduce ERFs into this conversation. We understand the investment demand for ERFs is strong due to strong, low-cost clinical outcomes, rising patient demand, and high margins for efficient operators. So now, Sydney, since you wrote a white paper, which includes a discussion of the JV strategy for these facilities, can you walk the listeners through what the strategy looks like? Yeah, so let's go through a fairly prolific joint venture model seen commonly across the nation. Under this model, for example, an acute care hospital may have an inpatient rehab unit on site at their acute care hospital. Maybe due to a lack of strategic resources, competition, staffing challenges, or otherwise, the unit may not be performing to its full potential and driving the most to the health system's bottom line. Or maybe the hospital needs that physical space for use for another service line or for transitioning from semi-private to private beds. As a result, they decide to partner with a strategic post-acute operator to join forces and build a de novo inpatient rehab hospital together on or off the campus of the main hospital. The health system may contribute their current earth business into a new entity, which may be owned 50-50 with the post-acute operator in exchange for cash. Some of the benefits of this approach are access to the mile deep industry expertise by the earth partner, The health system can free up beds and or physical space in the hospital. The health system will receive cash up front for the value of the existing unit, as well as enjoy future returns based on the success and growth of the new ERF. Uh, There are also unique arrangements, such as a brand contribution, where an ERF joint venture can license the local health system's brand, and the health system can receive royalty funds or upfront equity in exchange for the ERF joint venture's use of the brand. This gives the health system an opportunity to monetize an existing asset. There are, of course, some downsides and risks to partnering. First of all, the joint venture is a new entity. It can take a good amount of time to set up, and it also can be difficult to unwind. Also, loss of control of the beds and reputation risk with opening up to a new partner. In general, this is why it's so important to note that all post-acute partners are different from each other, likely with different cultures and strengths and weaknesses. Finding the right partner can make a difference. Lastly, if you're removing a fairly high revenue unit off-site to a new hospital, you'll have to account for the overhead elsewhere that was previously allocated to the earth unit. Perfect. That's fantastic. And I'm really glad you covered that strategy on this podcast because we see JB strategies across all healthcare sectors and what you outlined is is very similar, um, similar pros, similar cons, no matter what sector you're involved in. So that was super helpful. I know that you cover other strategies in the white paper along with the pros and cons. So everyone can check that out on our website. 
Let's go ahead and keep on the subject of ERFs, and I'd like to ask Savannah of anything notable from listening to the recent earnings calls from Encompass Health and Select Medical since these two operate in the ERF space. Both Encompass and Select commented on the strong performance in their inpatient rehab lines of business. This service line continues to see really strong volume growth. The operators also expect these positive trends to continue by commentary from Encompass's CEO, Mark Tarr. He said, quote, given the strong demand for inpatient rehabilitation services, we have continued to invest in capacity additions. Select's executive chairman also noted that the development pipeline remains strong. I think one interesting tidbit based on what Sydney was talking about as it relates to JVs. Encompass expects 40% of their pipeline to be JVs, and most all of the projects that Select mentioned during their call were also joint ventures. So they're definitely seeing a lot in that space as well. Additionally, a week before earnings releases, CMS released the 2024 ERF final rule. Um, From that, we learned that the operators expect to see a little over 3% increase for ERFs beginning October 1st of this year. In addition to these positive top-line tailwinds, as I mentioned earlier, and consistent with what we've heard from operators and other subsectors, it appears that Encompass and Select experienced some moderation in contract labor this quarter. While things are still not back to pre-pandemic levels, it definitely seems like that environment has stabilized, um, and they're hopeful for continued improvement in 2024 and 2025. Okay, thank you. So that's all very recent news and very good news. So let's go ahead and just finish up with inpatient rehab. And I'd like to move to Sydney and ask just two questions that I'm sure most people are curious about. What are, one, your expectations for this space as it relates to margins? And then two, what are some of the benefits hospitals can expect if deciding to collaborate with the post-acute care operator? Sure. First, ERF margins are continuing to rise. Aggregated ERF Medicare margins were at a five-year high in 2021 at 17%. Um, Should be noted that Medicare is usually the best payer for these. So that's even up from the 2018 numbers I cited earlier. Partnering with a post-acute operator can help your organizations provide the best quality care while achieving best-in-class margins. Operationally, a partnership can help with reducing length of stay and readmission rates and also provide access to clinical and operational best practices. Collectively, these enhancements improve both patient outcomes and financial returns. Perfect. So let's go ahead and finish this up with some M&A thoughts with a brief overview of what VMG Health expects in the post-acute care space as we move into 2024 from Savannah. As noted in our M&A report, we expect transaction volume to continue to focus on home health and hospice agencies, given the trends discussed earlier, coupled with the fact that that market is still fairly fragmented. We also expect to continue to see interest in ERFs under various transaction structures due to the value propositions in the space, as identified in Sydney's article, that being strong clinical outcomes, stable regulations, increasing patient demand, and high margin. Perfect. Okay. Well, I wanted to touch on one last topic before closing out on our post-acute care podcast, and it's hospitals at home. This has become a huge trend and in line with CMS's aim to lower the cost of care. So, Sydney, can you give listeners just a brief overview of how this came about and what it is? Of course. So, hospital at home is a healthcare delivery model that allows patients to receive acute level hospital acute level hospital care at home instead of being admitted to a traditional hospital. The idea is emerging as providers seek to do more with less, as hospital at home models have been shown to reduce costs, improve outcomes, and enhance patient experience. Hospital at home actually had its groundwork long before COVID 
but was very limited to specific conditions, seemed most appropriate for home treatment. Now the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated adoption of hospital at home for some health systems. COVID-19 certainly highlighted the importance of flexible delivery care models that could adapt to surges in demand. It's also interesting to consider the very straightforward future application of AI in hospital at home where patient data monitoring and even outcome prediction could be handled by AI versus an RN or physician. So for post-acute operators, hospital at home services can be hugely beneficial to help them keep patients out of the hospital setting. So we definitely expect significant growth in this arena. Perfect. I've heard nothing but but that. Everyone's talking about it. Um, I know it's still early, but I think we're going to see a lot of growth there and hopefully some innovation around there as well. So we have certainly covered a lot of material on an incredibly diverse sector. And so what I like to do is I always like to recap our episodes. So this is pretty short and sweet. First, we've got post-acute care, which includes a lot of different subsectors, and they all really do have different industry dynamics. Second, the trend is moving to lower cost settings such as the home. And third, there are numerous strategies to partner with specialty providers in the market to be more efficient. So, Sydney and Savannah, again, we appreciate you both for the excellent insight and want to make sure listeners know they can reach out to either of you anytime with questions. And be sure to check out our post-acute care page on VMG Health's website for more resources on this sector. Everybody take care. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Download with VMG Health. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts to receive new episodes when they release the first Wednesday of each month. You can also go to vmghealth.com or visit the episode notes to follow VMG Health's monthly newsletter and to learn more about this conversation.